we didn't make it abundantly clear that there was. But, you know, for a lot of people that were respecting the rules, it was a problem. And uh, I, I need to address that moving forward. Entertainment has always been something that's been somewhat safe. And, you know, people have always said, wow, you're in the entertainment business, you're dealing with this economy just fine. And, you know, the truth was, that was fact. Welcome to the Theater Art Live podcast. And hello, we're putting the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around the globe, the culture creators, the backstage masters. My name is Ana Aguilera. And my name is Anna Robb. On this COVID special episode, we'll be talking to Ray Woodbury, who is the president of Arcade Diversified Entertainment Inc. And in recent months, they've become experts in driving concerts. With over 30 years in the entertainment industry, owner-operator Ray has experience ranging from concert touring, movie and television production, conventions, private events, automotive events, and religious services. Their clients rely on the outstanding service and the state-of-the-art equipment that RKDE provides. Arcade Diversified Entertainment Inc. provides the entertainment and event industry with turnkey production services. RKDE takes pride in fulfilling all their clients' needs, whether they be creative, operational, staffing, technical solutions, equipment, or budgeting. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. Thanks for joining us, Ray. Um, we've met before, so we talked a little bit about this uh, in terms of the drive-in concerts in the pandemic time. So, so tell us why you started that project, uh, you know, back in, was it March? Yeah, you know, I started thinking about it in March, and I actually had the first show at the end of July. Was uh, our first shows it just took a little bit of time to, you know, get everything together. I started thinking about it because somebody called me uh, within the industry, and there's a well-known band here in Southern California that wanted to do a show to address the, um, the COVID situation and bring something to the community. And they said, hey, would you be interested in doing something like that? And I sort of started to look at it. You know, I own all of the gear that's needed to do it. I own roofs. I own lighting systems, audio systems, everything that stages. So, you know, I thought it was the perfect opportunity to be a promoter, which I've never been before, and go out there and, uh, you know, see what I could round up for, you know, the community, for my business to keep it, uh, keep my staff working, all of that. So that's what sort of initially got me into it. Uh, it was pretty hand in glove at that point, you know, it was sort of, I'm in the perfect position to do it. I will tell you, uh, I've underestimated and undervalued the value of a promoter because, uh, they really put themselves out there and they, uh, have to know a lot about, the marketing side of things and uh, the effort that it takes there. And uh, uh, to all my friends that are promoters that I've always been hired to do work for them, I have a new respect uh, and a, a new idea about what they do. So that's how it sort started. That's amazing. And so when you started them and, and you know, obviously people were in, and I think you're still in lockdown, uh, quite a lockdown over there, right, in, in Los Angeles in terms of uh, are they still going or are you, um, I mean, that was a lot of effort on your behalf and, and I understand that uh, 
you know, not necessarily a financially viable one, but it was good for the community. <laughs> it was great for the community. It was great for about 50 people, a show that worked it. And it was great for me. I, I, I'm not, I won't, I won't, I mean, you know, the monetary side of it isn't necessarily what I needed at this stage in my life. It would have been great if it would have been financially successful, but I can deal with it not being successful. The lockdown right now is massive right now, in, in particular in Orange County. With Orange County, it's a little bit of a, a, of a, of a crazy place politically, uh, a little, little heated. So right before the elections, I decided that you know I was going to say, there, there are a few reasons. The roof that I had up was not a roof that would sustain any rainfall, number one. So it had to come down anyway. The political turmoil that was happening that I thought would I'd uh, I'd see, I just didn't want to deal with. Uh, there was just too much going on. There were some few, uh, a few things that I needed to work out with the venue in particular, the size of it, and also the rules that were sort of I was uh, working under uh, by way of the state and the local authorities, and quite frankly, just the weather. The weather is it's getting a little chilly now, and to play outdoors in Southern California. You know, it's just not what people are used to. So I, I said too many things going against me. I'm going to pick it up back in uh, March and April. So right now uh, I am looking for a bunch of dates in April. Uh, I've been talking to agents and and the venue. I go back and go there and I, I, I'm going to create the venue to handle twice the capacity. And um, we're working on that this week. So uh, all these things are sort of back in play. I want to ask if you could give our listeners a little bit of the context, like, okay, so you decided someone asked you if you could do a driving concert and now you're looking at doing driving concerts in April, but what exactly happened in between? Oh, there was, there was an agent friend of mine, Andy Summers, who works at a, a agency and he brought a, a band, Social Distortion, who's a great band. And it's an Orange County, you know, in particular band that was very, you know, it's very Orange County and I've worked with them a bunch. And he just happened to call me one day and said, Hey, you know, what do you think about doing something like this? And, um, that's where it started. Although we didn't do the show because the band just sort of wanted to wait and see, so to speak, it sort of got me on the line of, okay, what if I do this? What if I do that? And sort of put it into play. And if they happen to come around, then we'll do it. But that, that's the specifics about it. So you set up a stage at the fairgrounds, and then you had a capacity for 50 cars, correct? No, no. So what it was is, so the fairgrounds is owned by the state of California. And uh, I work, uh, I have a contract with the state to run one of their amphitheaters that's on the fairgrounds. And we've been doing that for the last 17 years. So I'm real familiar with the grounds. But, you know, the state, rules what goes on on their fairgrounds state of california so we had to wait for the state to okay a lot of things before i can even go on the grounds uh, again by the same token we had to wait for the county of orange and the city of costa mesa to come up with their own plans so i sort of helped by writing some rules and giving some guidance on you know general concert going and they applied the you know the health side of it and we sort of came up with some guidelines to go by. Uh, and that's how that 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 part of it happened. So uh, just dealing with all those different elements 
took all that time uh, to get it going. And then what about the bands and whoever played? So the bands, I, I have knowledge of who I thought Orange County would want to come and see at some sort of, um, you, you know, let me go back for a second. So we we were early on this one. We were pretty much the second ones in the game. And, you know, there was no telling on how big a capacity you could have. But the bottom line was you need the infrastructure to handle the capacity, restrooms and sort of those type of plans. So if you have a thousand cars or, you know, whatever, and all of a sudden you have 3,000, 4,000 people in one restroom, that becomes an issue. So, you know, we had a, we had a deal with that end of it at the front end with the health director and with the state and everything and said, you know, how big of a, how big of a footprint can we have? And we ended up with 220 cars. So that would be between 600 and 800 people, pretty much. So that's sort of where we we started. 220 cars, as it turns out, doesn't get the wheels turning on too much in the national uh, spotlight as far as talent. You know, there's just not enough money to be made. Even at, you know, if you're charging $200 a car, that's $40,000 you're taking in for the night, you know, for the amount of, you know, employing 50 people for that night, paying the band, it just doesn't do it. You know, that's why we went to two shows a night, even at $80,000, if it were to $200 a ticket, that's a struggle. Nobody was really paying $200 a ticket. Nobody was really willing to pay that. So, um, you know, where we started to go with talent was what do we think people want to see you know, and I started with a band that I know has a great record, you know, selling tickets. Uh, they played the amphitheater every year and sold seven, 8,000 tickets every year, albeit at $25 a ticket. But uh, I thought with the COVID situation and everything, we could say $25 a ticket times four, $100 a ticket per car, which is a band called the Fab Four, which is a great, great tribute band to the Beatles. They're more like a stage show. Uh, you know, more than a tribute band. And um, they did great. They sold out two shows or two nights, four shows. They're fantastic people. They do a fantastic show. Same agency that came to me originally with the other band with Social Distortion. Uh, it was it was a great match. Uh, I give APA a lot of credit and uh, the band a lot of credit for allowing me to take this chance and do this. You know, and also the the venue you know they they were behind me all the way so that's how that started uh we started with them when you're sort of trailblazing i guess in terms of this covid period and trying to put on events it's been quite fascinating for us to discuss this with a number of people globally because the success or you know the challenges that come up in putting those kind of events on largely are affected by the culture of the people right, whether they're going to follow rules, whether they're going to participate according to these guidelines that you're setting for the needs to be socially distant, et cetera. And so how did, you know, how was the guests or audience's response and, and behaviour in your, when they came to the drive-in concerts? Was it was it controlled all the time or did you have to work towards tightening measures? Were they, did they behave how you expected them to, I guess, is my question. It was the most frustrating thing I've ever run across. And probably the most frustrating thing about doing the events overall. Interestingly enough, 
I put something out yesterday to the 3000 people or so that are on the, you know, the mailing list right now. And, uh, you know, I wanted to get an idea about what they thought about the shows, what they'd like to see in April, you know, just their views in general. A lot of them came back with, you know, I wish people would have, you know, behaved differently. I wish they would have been respectful of others. I wish they would have, you know, abided by what was set out in the acknowledgement page, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it made it really tough. While we were there, it made it really tough. In addition to that, it made it tough to get the response from people afterwards that, hey, you know, I came to this event thinking that people were going to be, you know, acknowledging what the rules were and they weren't. And it was extremely hard for us to control people. We'd ask them, we'd ask that they, you know, put their masks on, go back in the car, and we were ignored. So then it becomes a, a, a game of do we eject them? And what does that do now to the people around them, to the experience? One of the things that I did do at the outset of this thing is I said each show is going to be an hour long. And uh, in an hour, not much can go wrong, you know, was the way I was looking at it. Or if it does go wrong, it'll be over quick. And, um, you know, I'm glad that I did because that ended up being the saving grace. I think people, for the most part, were okay with an hour-long show. For me, it reduced their visits to the restroom. It reduced people's exposure in general, uh, overall. We didn't make it abundantly clear that there was, but you know, for a lot of people that were respecting the rules, it was a problem. And uh, I, I need to address that moving forward. It's state property. You know, the technical side of that is they have their own security that they need to deal with that. So it was a complicated thing to deal with, uh, but it was, you know, on a personal level, it was the most frustrating thing to deal with. But you're still willing to try again, which is great. Yeah, I'm, I'm willing to try again. I'm willing to do it a different way. I'm willing to talk with the health director. I'm willing to talk with state representatives. And I definitely will be laying down a different law with the patrons and dealing with it probably a little bit more heavy handed. On the website where you buy tickets to go to the show, there's a whole acknowledgement page. It says, hey, listen, I'm going to abide by these these rules. And, and you know, you, I'm sure 95% of the people just blew right by it and bought their tickets for whatever they wanted to see, didn't read it or, and really care about it. And I think uh, what happens is they they end up saying, hey, we got a car load. Ken and John, or Bob, or whoever, do you want to come to the show with us? They get in the car and they just bring their wine and they do their thing. And it's, you know, it's nobody's really acknowledging it too much other than wanting to have a good time. And um, I need to write that better and, and sort of explain that better in every approach that I have in selling the tickets. And I think, you know, I think at this point, especially with the spike that we've had in LA and in particular in Orange County, which is absolutely rabid right now, I, I think people will understand it a little better this time. I'm hoping. 
Do you think that this kind of entertainment uh, is a patch for our COVID life for a couple of years and then we're going to, you know, move beyond this and go back to, to normal? What do you think about, maybe this isn't necessarily just with the drive-in stuff that you've been doing, but generally with our industry, do you see any sort of major shifts coming out of this? Uh, are we going to be doing stuff differently virtually, et cetera, et cetera? Live streaming is here to stay uh, on one level. Uh, I think that that's going to be something that is going to be developed deeper. And I think that people are going to have their own studios and their own setups that they can comfortably go into just as they have their own studios at their homes and just put something out and make money that way. I think that that's going to be a revenue stream. I don't think the driving concert is going to last anywhere, you know, beyond what's necessary. I think what's going to happen next is you're going to start seeing pods and venues pop up where there's pods of people going that are socially spaced, socially distanced, but, you know, in a particular space, you know, we all saw that photo of that one grid that you know there was that thing i'm not sure where it was it it was in europe somewhere where someone built a show like that you know i think that there's going to be a lot of that coming out of the uh immunization period i think that uh there's a lot of things that are happening within the actual amphitheaters and and the theaters in general that are testing new ideas for how to get reduced capacity and reduced costs, you know, economies of scale, so to speak, uh, relative to those type of uh, situations. If you look at a football game, you know, in Cleveland, where they have some fans over here, some fans over there, some fans over there, versus where you have a football game at the new Sophie Stadium in Los Angeles, where you have nobody in the stands, you know, Uh, there's experiments like that going around everywhere. And, um, I don't believe that the car concert is going to be anything other than, you know, necessary because there's nothing to do. And this is your only choice. Honestly, I don't think it's going to be something that people are going to want to do. And I definitely know it's not something that artists are going to want to do, you know, beyond beyond where we stand right now. As a businessman, what are your lessons? What's your take on all this? How is it going to affect you moving forward? I'm 60 years old. I've never run across this. Uh, I've always been an entrepreneur in my business. I've never worked for anybody, so to speak, other than myself and my clients. This has been quite a lesson this year. I found this, is that some businesses were not affected at all you know, uh, other industries, uh, some thrived mine in particular, you know, we've always been able to deal with the downturns of an economy. Interestingly enough, throughout all my life, you know, and there's been different downturns in the economies, you know, throughout my life and entertainment has always been something that's been somewhat safe. And, you know, people have always said, wow, you're in the entertainment business, you're dealing with this economy just fine. And, you know, the truth was, that was fact. A pandemic's a different story. And, you know, you really don't think about what would happen if we all can't get together 
and do this. We all can't go see a Laker game. We all can't go see a show. We all can't, you know, do what we normally do. Never really considered that. So uh, my takeaway is, you know, more than anything, how much I value the people that work with me, their commitment. My takeaway is being resilient and being prepared and not being overdrawn going into it, you know, thankfully, where, you know, maybe debt loads or something else like that would, you know, completely take down my business during this time. There's been a a lot of lessons in it uh, and a lot of realizations, I'd say, more than anything, things that I've done right, things that I've maybe could have done better in the process. Could I uh, have come up with a different way to do, you know, some form of other type of business while while we're in here and keep my staff working? That's been something that's been bugging me, whether it's in the entertainment business or not. You know, what can we do to keep my staff working? That's been a, a key issue in my life. Thinking outside the box of of just entertainment and just my industry, I think that if I took on some sort of other industry and if I put the same amount of energy and effort into it, perhaps we could create a, a, a business that would, you know, sustain people through this, you know? Um, so I think that that's sort of what I've learned out of this. And pretty much if I, if I were to pass this on after this to anybody, I'd say, be ready, be ready to jump ship and be ready to look at something else and, you know, diversify and don't have all your eggs in one basket. Good advice. I think that's, um, you know, moving forward, um, we do need to make the industry a little bit more resilient and a bit more prepared for this kind of thing, or even just personally, right, that you you protect yourself from maybe financial difficulty and stuff and pad yourself out a little bit more if possible. The question that I was going to ask was moving forward into coming back with your business, is there any light in the end of the tunnel apart from drive-in experiences and, and concerts? Uh, tell us a little bit about some of the other work you might be doing with your company uh, to stay afloat during this time. Well, yeah, there's there's definitely light at the end of the tunnel. The fact that we are where we are as of the last couple of days, huge light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, vaccine, we're starting to make that progress. You know, all I can hope is that everybody jumps on board and vaccinates. You know, we have a client base with my company in particular that I'm very confident that, you know, everything that we do uh, will come back to us and then some. I see our business picking up as soon as it possibly can. You know, we are. In, in particular, in our industry, we're a pretty diverse production company. We, we do everything from concerts to meetings with supermarket corporations. These things will start occurring again. And one way or the other, uh, they are, I think our clients will be coming to us for that guidance, you know, how to step back into the, you know, how to, how to dip your, your, your toe back into the pool in, you know, you know, presenting or or producing a show or a meeting or whatever whatever it ha- happens to be. So I'm I'm confident more than anything in our client base and our relationships over the years that we've developed. And from there, 
you know, I think that there's going to be an extreme hunger for everyone to get out and do something and start to live life to its fullest. And, you know, I think people are going to recognize what they should be doing with their time. You know, it's, it's interesting, you know, again, going back to my age and going back to my, my daughter's ages, which is 23 and 26, you know, they're all about experience. They're all about enjoying and spending their money on experiences and enjoying those experiences and, and, and that whole bit where my generation wasn't necessarily so experience-based. You know, the generations will, um, you know, start to realize that experiences is important. And, um, you know, I think that people will get back to getting out and going to restaurants more, going to shows more, experiencing life more as it, you know, presents itself. I totally agree. And I think some of the reflections of the industry, especially one that is so fast paced and, you know, usually so hectic and, and busy, you're jumping from gig to gig and job to job, slowing down a little bit. Uh, this year gives you pause for that kind of reflection. And it's interesting that you were saying, oh, you know, could I have pivoted another way other than drive-in concerts and stuff like that? It's because you've probably got a lot of time to think about that now, you know, rather than just being awash with gigs and, and not having the time to reflect and and move forward. So I think it's really interesting that you say that because uh, I hope for that as well. You know, if we come back or in what way we come back uh, we do that with a, a little bit more of a either a personal and professional balance in in our workplace so that we're we're happy with how how we experience and maybe that hopefully turns out that we have some better better shows better art better productions you know yeah no question I, I didn't realize how washed I was you know with the day-to-day until this happened you know I did recognize it a good eight, you know, seven, eight years ago, you know, for the 20 years preceding that, when I was designing shows and designing TV segments and and things like that, where it was so constant and so crazy, but I could handle it. But there was a certain point where I said, okay, I, I, I need a little break here. And I thought that, you know, what I've done over the last six or seven years has been that break. But the reality is, this has been the break. Uh, you know, I, I've come to realize, and putting the brakes on, whether I wanted to or not, hasn't been all that bad. The, the lessons learned, the thoughts moving forward, definitely are different. And um, I think that I'll be a lot more efficient, a lot more effective, and a lot, a, a lot better production person uh, moving forward. To be honest with you, I think just to close, I like to know. How do you see this new experiences and all this relationship between us as an industry and people asking for more experiences? How do you think this is going to look like? I think it's great. You know, I think that entertainment comes in so many different forms. You know, entertainment doesn't come from just TV, just the movie, just the concert, just it comes in travel, it comes in you know, experiencing things with your friends, it comes in doing things by yourself, you know, it really, the experiential side of things is just so wide and open now. Even if I look at what Airbnb started doing a couple of years ago, where it's like, 
hey, you're going to go to Quebec City or you're going to go to Maui or you're going to go to here. If you wanted to, you can hook up with somebody that will show you a certain experience while you're there that is this quality of experience. And, you know, it'll be four hours and it'll cost this much money and you'll you'll go out and do it. That never existed until, you know, a few years ago. And that's a form of entertainment. And that's a great form of entertainment. So I think as technology keeps on growing, things like, you know, vaccines, things like entertainment, things like everything will just expand. If I had my choice, I'd say, hey, let me get reborn again. Let me try this out again. Pretty darn soon. But uh, I, I think it's going to be a, a great place to be. And um, not to say it hasn't been great. It has. No, that's great. I think, you know, that I, I read something the other day that uh, after the pandemic in the early 1900s, then came the roaring 20s. You know, people were ready to get out and get socialised and and it was a it was a good decade that year after after such a dire uh, pandemic that time. So hopefully we that's what we do. We get out to party and we uh, get back to doing what we love to do. So, Ray, thank you so much for joining us today and uh, telling us a little bit about your pandemic period and what you're doing. And, you know, I thank you for all of that uh, work that you're doing in terms of community work. It's good for the community. It's good for, you know, Orange County. And I think uh, I know that there's a few personal friends of ours that appreciate what you're doing um, from a personal perspective, being able to get out of the house and come watch some concerts. So thank you so much. Cool. Thanks for having me and enjoyed the talk. Please write a review on our podcast whenever you listen to our podcast and let your friends know about us. You can learn more about Theatre Art Life by visiting our website at www.theatreartlife.com. And you can follow us on social media and leave your questions or comments on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Twitter, or YouTube. We really want to thank David Zaya for composing the music for our podcast and Michelle Sharotta, who is our sound engineer. We are your hosts, Anna and Anna, and this is the Theatre Art Life podcast, where we put the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around the world.